This is a Baby Brunch podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control, and that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth. We let you be you. The week of the 1st of June, we were to interview Sadia Murat. After a phone call, she was very excited to be interviewed by Baby Brunch, the parenting series, and we were excited to be speaking to her. She was to inspire other women through her story, a global hero of hope, a survivor, a mother of two. And when we called her phone, her husband, Amir, answered. Hi, Amir. Hi, Lee. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for asking. Good, good. How are you feeling? Um, well, the introduction just got me a bit emotional now again, but <laughs> um, I'm fine. I will be better. I will be, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Day mm-hmm. by day. Why did you initially fall in love with Sadia? Um, <laughs> um, I think at first, um, look, to be honest with you, I, this is something that I tell the paper as well, that um, I was I was looking for somebody and somebody special as well. And then um, I, was, I was a boy that was all over the place. I didn't get my head straight to... Um, I was still young, and I asked God to give me somebody, the next person to give me, uh, that I can marry this person, and he gave me an angel. So, And, and that's something I told to, to the newspaper as well, and everything about her, the, she, she, was, she, the, she, she was true. She, a smile alone brought, and, and she got not just me, but everybody that knows her, she... Um, she, she she could get into your heart very, very quickly. And um, I think I thought that she loved me um, a lot. And, but when I looked at the broader community, how much she inspired people and how much she loved and cared for the community, it, it brings tears to my eyes as well. So I don't know what to say, but <laughs> um, she, she um, really swept me off my feet. Tell me what happened after your last born. So you have two children and she gave birth to your last born four years ago. What happened? Um, she, she had a, a slight lump or she, she felt that it was a bit hard at the bottom of uh, a breast. Um, but she just started ignoring it at the time. And it got a bit bigger and got a bit bigger. And then we moved from Cape Town down to, to Muscle Bay. Um, not just for that, uh, but uh, my father-in-law suggested that we should move down this side. And um, when we came here, um, it was um, diagnosed as a cyst at first. Um, and then it was drained and um, it was hospital in, it was hospital out. And um, everything was just... No, it's a cyst. It can't be anything else. Um, she's too young for cancer. She, it, it's not cancer. Um, it was a long journey just in and out. And eventually, the, the one day that we went to the hospital, um, 
that they actually did a biopsy, the, the last operation, they did a biopsy and it came back. And then they did say it, it was cancer. Um, so, yeah, that it was it was a, it was a long journey until they they did that. But um, you know what? Um, I I don't look back with with regrets and say you know what? Um, had they done it sooner, or have they looked at um, why didn't the doctors um, um, find it sooner? Whatever the case may be. Um, I I just made you know bygones be bygones and the fact that um, everybody look God worked in mysterious ways as well. If, if it's your time then it is your time and um, it's just one of those things as well. But mm-hmm. um, we made peace with it. You know we, we, you can't look back and say but what if but what if this but what if that whatever the case may be. Um, we made peace with it and she was strong and she was brave. The, the day we went in there. Um, I was scared to go inside, and she told me, let's go in. And when the doctor said, yes, she cried, I cried as well. But immediately her mind changes. Okay, what do I do now? How do I keep myself alive? What is it that I have to do to to, to do that? And even with her pain and, and, and everything that she did, she then dedicated her life to, to um, cancer survivors and to inspire other people as well. And I remember the one thing that she said in one of her uh, um, motivational speeches is that there's two, there's, um, two reasons why, um, or not two reasons, there's two important days in your life. It's the day that you were born and the day that you find out the reason why. And this is a reason why, standing in front of the podium, inspiring people as well. So, Yes. How does the misdiagnosis make you feel? The fact that they thought it was a cyst, but actually it was cancer. We, we, we can say that, you know, we, we, they, they could have diagnosed it sooner. Um, the doctors could have done more. Um, why didn't the first doctor look at it and say, um, look, but this is not a cyst. Why are we still draining her, um, putting us through all this? And, and I mean, do you know how many knives and... and, and um, pipes and morphine and medication and stuff and everything that she went through and it to go to to hospitals in and out it's it's tiring um honestly it's tiring it, it's it's a mental strain as well and um every time it was no it, it, it can't be cancer she's too young she's too young she's too young and eventually with the last biopsy that came back or the last operation that she went back to, they said, okay, let's do a biopsy. The biopsy came back and it was cancer. Um, looking back now, I mean, there's nothing that I can do. Do you understand? That's, that's just God's plan. God, I'm not, not saying that God have bad plans or what, whatever the case may be. The thing is, is that me looking back and trying to blame all the doctors and tell the doctors, look, if you did that, that whatever, you could have saved a life. We don't know when our last time on earth is, do you understand? So um, mm-hmm. only God decides when we are born, when we are back, um, or when we will die as well. So I made peace with that. She made peace with that as well. And um, I, I, it's nothing that we can do that's going to change and bring her back as well. So um, I'm, I, I can't look back and, and, and with, with any you know, hatred or anything to, towards doctors or, or hospitals or anything like that. I know many people and often when I stand in a room and I say who's been affected by cancer or, you know, even our family has been affected by 
diffuse B lymphoma where the one day your aunt is fine and the next day you need to carry them to the bathroom, you know, it's a, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And what, what is inspiring me today is your reaction saying how you've made peace with the process or the fact that you can understand that a doctor is human and that a misdiagnosis might happen. But knowing that we had an opportunity to chat to Sadia and she was very excited to share her story. And the day you answered her phone, what did you tell our team? Uh. Uh, sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm emotional. Um, I I just said, look, um, unfortunately, my wife, my wife's no longer here. Um, she she has passed on. Um, this was on the 29th of last month, April. Um, that she passed on, and um, you know. The I told the team as well, you know that I, I loved her so much. I never ever loved look I lost I lost my, my, my father. I lost my father due to cancer as well about four or five years ago. Uh but he smoked a lot again. Um but you know losing your, your your spouse and losing your father is two different feelings. That is somebody that your wife is somebody that you're intimate with. You it's your best friend. it's the person that you love and um it was really the saying that, you know, through bitter and worse, um, till death do us part. And um, that's what really happened. I mean, um, she, I was, the, the night before, I was laying on the bed with her. Um, and for the first time, I actually moved our baby to the side and was laying on the exact same pillow, just rubbing her hands. And um, because her hands started getting ice cold the night and... Um, the the during the night she, she she just started making weird noises and she kept on saying the the children's names and two o'clock when i woke up and and gave her the uh, medication i asked her are you okay and she said um yes she's she's just dreaming um and she laughed but you see that that's the type of person my wife was through her pain she she still smiled through her pains and everything that she did, she still inspired other people to do better and, um, you know, to fight and go through this. And um, the morning I woke up to, to pray, five o'clock I woke up to pray, and she sat on the side of the bed and she was just sitting and praying. And um, I got into bed again. This is just after five. And um, normally I just doze her for an hour and asked her, um, are you okay? Do you need help? Do, can I put you back into the bed? She said, no. Because normally she just get back onto the bed by herself and I'll wake up and she'll be there. And um, I dozed off and I, and I looked and I saw when I opened my eyes, she did get back onto the bed, but her hand was in my face. And I, and I held her hand again and um, it was still cold. And at the back of my mind, I thought to myself, no, it, it can't be. Because um, then I put my foot right on top of her foot as well and it was cold. And when I lifted my head, I that's when I saw her eyes was just, she was gone. So, I don't know, it's still very emotional, but um, yeah, that's a few days after that, that's, or a day after that, that's when I, 
I called the, the team to tell them that my wife has passed on. Amir, in an interview before, you told her that she will not die. And even while she was diagnosed with cancer, she was out there helping people. She was called a global hero of hope. I watched a video of her today where she's vibrant and she was laughing about the fact that she lost her eyebrows and that she lost her hair because she is a vibrant person. Tell me about her journey after she was diagnosed and when she started inspiring other women as a global hero of hope through her work, through motivational talks, through the Cancer Association. Tell me a little bit about after she was diagnosed. She, um, after she was diagnosed, um, look, it's a shock for everybody. We, um, the family, they say once you got cancer, your whole family, everybody has cancer. And mm-hmm. instead of just keeping for herself, she, she told everybody about it. And her cousin was part of the cancer, um, cancer relay for hope or the cancer, um, the cancer association, the, the normal or the yearly relay, the cancer relays. And, um, she invited her to go with. And, um, so, other the cancer relay uh, of hope is it starts from six till six in the morning, and um, when she got there, she 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 met quite a lot of people, um, and this was just um, sorry I forgot to mention this um, after, during a diagnosis uh, the 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 cancer relay of, of hope of the garden route uh, the garden route gave her um, accommodation in George where she had to go for treatments for for chemotherapy for. Um, whatever treatment she had, had to go for, and she met a lot of friends here at the um, at the the, the home, and um, everybody had to everybody said the same thing, everybody had the same story, and that that started inspiring her as well. And um, then a cousin was part of the the relay as well, and then when we got there, she a whole mindset changed because now it's somebody that or these people that doing something towards cancer and the stalls, night markets, um, the, it's, it's just vibrant, it's happy, everybody's happy, and everybody's just relaying around the field and they're doing it for a good cause and that inspired her and she said, you know what, next year I want my own team and that's what she did. She started her own team um, and we started selling rutis and, and yukaris and we raised over 10,000 rand uh, which is a lot, and that's, that all went towards uh, the Cancer Association. And then she got more involved with the committee and um, through the Gardening Route Committee. And um, she was then um, nominated to, to be the, the International Global Hero of Hope. And then she was chosen the, the National International Global Hero of Hope. And this, through all her treatments and everything that she, she, she went, she still went out to every, every relay, every event, um, every, you know, what, whatever event there was, people asked, listen, come speak, motivate, she would be there. And I was on the side. Um, so wherever she went, I went. And um, I knew that sometimes she, she wasn't feeling well or she still had, aches and pains and stuff, but she'd still be there to inspire people. She'd still be there to put a smile on other people's face because at the end of the day, there's always hope. We never know. And, and one thing that I've learned from this is that 
Only God decides when we are taken from this earth. Only He has that in your, in your doctors. Whoever can tell you, you know what, tomorrow, the day after that, whatever the case may be, that would be your last day. Doctors can't say. It's only God that decides when your last day would be. So whatever family support, whatever the case you have, you need to lean on to them as well and live the best life that you can. And um, that was her journey. Um, her journey was here to inspire people and tell people, you know what, there's hope. There's hope. Don't let doctors or um, anybody tell you, you know what, you've got two, two months to live or three months to live. It's not their choice. And she was here to tell them that. The short phone call that I had that morning before I was going to interview her the very next week, we spoke about her children and she was quite excited to speak about the little ones. And I want to know what kind of mom is she? <laughs> she loves the kids. Eh? Um, my wife would, my wife would, she, she just wanted the best for them. She honestly, she, she just wanted that and with models and values and um, she was strict. But also, um, you know, she had a, a, a ways of, of looking after the kids and, and, and you know, putting in the, the, the values or good values into them as well. And um, she loved them dearly. Um, my son, my daughter, um, she'd only want the best for them. Um, only, only the best. And... I don't know, there's, there's such a lot of things that I can't say. Um, she she was just a happy mom, uh, a lovable mom, a, a truthful mom. When she um, when she came home and she see them for the first time, is you know, just holding on to them, seeing for them for the first time. Um, I remember on, on Eid, um, when it comes to Eid or, or Labaring as we call it, she just want the best. Um, she she would make a way for them to have a special day as well. Um, and she was, she was honestly a, I'm not saying or degrading other moms as well, but she, she was for me a, a super mom um, in the sense that she really cared for them. Your wife is an inspiration to so many people who's listening to this podcast today. And I listen how you speak of her, and I realize that we need to commend you as well for being a good husband. Because women need support, and partners need support, and men need support. But I do wonder, what's it like living with someone who has cancer? What, is it, what does the household look like? What, what, do you, what do you go through? What are the feelings and emotions that you experience? Um, obviously there's fear there's always fear um, that for me for me personally now there's, there's always fear um, but with with because we moved in with the parents as well with with a mom and a dad there's, they, they won't show it they they need to be positive for, for her as well and I think the way my wife was that her positivity actually, she feeded that on, onto us. And we, there were times that we forgot that she had cancer. Um, we, we treated her normal, not a, a person that um, 
has cancer or a person that's sick or whatever the case may be. So she she was normal. She was like us in, in, inside of the house. Yes, at first there, there is that fear, there is that doubt. Um, you, you'll hear this uncle say, okay, try this, that auntie say, try that, or whatever the case may be. Um, but the household, obviously, it, 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 it does change. Um, it brings the people closer to, to, together as well, and that's what you really want. It brings family closer. Um, and the nice thing is that it, br- it brought this family, uh, to, together so that we can actually start looking out for other people as well and, and with the, with the, with the, um, cancer relay for hope. And we see it even with her passing as well. We're still continuing with the, with the, with the cancer relay. Um, we want to be there. We want to help other people as well. So yes, you, your household do change. Um, but, uh, it all depends on the, the support that you give to that person and, um, the positivity that, that you need to put to instill into to, to the person that has cancer. They need to know that, you know what, we are there for you. We do care for you. Um, we are behind you 100%, and that's exactly what they need. You were praying that morning at 5 a.m., and you found your wife also bowing and doing her prayers the same morning that that she left us. She was buried the next day. And now you're a single dad. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was married for for over ten years. And um, look, everything that I did, um, I did it for for the love of my wife. And I can say that that I really cared for a, a lot of people that that who knows us, who know me as well, know how much I love my wife. And um, the kids are the. And the thing is, is that. In a way, I was prepared because as soon as I get home, I had a routine. I had to, to see to the kids, wash the, wash the kids at the same time, see to her, do the washing, cook the food. Um, while the food is cooked, I got, got the washing in the washing machine as well. Take them out, dry them, clean them, um, um, dress them, make sure that they eat, run back to my wife, make sure my wife has the medication, etc. Um, when they sleep, I make sure my wife is okay again, and when she does, I sleep a little until I have to look after her again. So um, I'm a, I'm a single dad now, um, but my wife still lives in my heart. She'll always love me. I said I'll never take this wedding ring off. So I, I love it dearly. And and just to, to touch base on, on on something as well, um, just a little story. I don't know if if I'm going going off topic but <laughs> um mm-hmm. what happened though is that um oh our me and my wife started dating um i know you asked this question what made me fall in love with her as well um we started dating um but just briefly you know um i started chatting um those were the times on uh mix it still i don't know if you remember mix it so <laughs> <I do. laughs> and um I, I was playing cricket at the time, and she was studying in, in Cape Town at um, the International Academy of Health, Body and Skin Care. And um, I left, because I just briefly met her, and we started chatting, and we left to go play cricket in Port Elizabeth. And um, we stopped at Refusuni Inn, which is like halfway, halfway to Mossel Bay, like two hours out of Mossel Bay. 
And I remember we're going to, to the Shell shop, um, inside to the Shell little um, shop that they had, and it came out and there was a guy standing inside of the door, um, tall uh, guy with a fez on his head and busy smoking. And um, I went to him and said, Hi, Uncle, how are you? And he said, no, it's fine. I'm good. And I said, okay, cool. And I was like, um, do you know how far P is from here? And he said, um, it's another two or four more hours or something like that. And I was like, okay, where are you from? And he said, he's from Mossel Bay. And I said, oh, oh, I know people from Mossel Bay. And he said, ooh. And I said, um, another girl, her name is Sadia. And he looked at me and he said, you're talking about my daughter. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, um, your daughter? He said, yeah. I said, a, a, a mother's name is Sadia. Because yeah, there's she in the bucket. And I went and I introduced myself and I, it was two o'clock that morning. I sent her a message and she couldn't believe it and they couldn't believe it. And, and her father said she's going to come home one day with a boy from Cape Town. And yeah, the rest is history. So <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to touch on that as well. We introduced Sadia Murat as a global hero of hope. And I want to know from you, why do you think your wife inspires other people, inspires our community, inspires other women? Um, I think it's, it's, it's the uh, character, the, the way she was brought up, I would say, and um, the values that was installed in her. Uh, her father, her parents were, were they, that type of people. They cared a lot for the community. They still do. Um, and that values was instilled in her to, to care for the community and be a, a, a truthful person. And, um, and I think that's, that's the values and, 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 and what, what other people saw. And, and she, could, she could get into your heart very quickly. And she should really go out of her way to inspire people, to, to make sure people is okay. And um, she's one of those people that make make sure other people's okay. Uh, if she get the least, but if you at least you got something to eat, even if you give me a little and you got enough to eat, then she's happy. So um, and and I think that that made her that that global year of hope. Um, the way she could inspire people, um, she the way she could bring back hope to 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 people, and. Um, that she she then um, she she could go back to the community and, and, and do that. But again, to 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 come back, it's it, it's the way she was brought up in a, in a values that was instilled in her. And her father, her mother, still still exactly they they still the same. Key a lot about the community, and um, the even after death, the the way I don't know if you if you saw a video already on Facebook, but um, it was on a Sunday morning and somebody just came to knock on the door and um, when they when we opened the door the whole road was full of people um, just standing with hands in the like both hands in the air and they were blowing these these horns and just out of respect and, and that just shows what she did for this community and um, what did he speak there for, for her and for her parents as well? Amir, in an unusual miracle world, if Sadia had to listen to this podcast, what would you say to her? <laughs> uh, I love you. Um, 
I love you so much. Um, I hope you're okay. I hope all your pain is gone. And I'll wait for me at the gates of heaven. Um, wait for me. I'll be there. Um, whenever God takes me away, I will be with you. Um, and I love you so much. And I will make sure that I take care of the kids the way you wanted me to. What Whatever wishes you had for them as well. Um, I will make sure I I do that. Um, and I love you. I love you. I never stop loving you. And we will be one day when, when God decides to take me away from this earth, we will be together soon as well. So for now, I'll do what I need to do to look after the kids and myself. Firstly, myself and the kids. Um, but you wait for me at the gates of heaven. You told her before that she will not die. Yes. Sadia Murat lives on. This podcast is in honor of Sadia Murat. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control, and that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth. We let you be you.